the, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Get any sized iced coffee for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And sweeten the deal when you pair it with a baked apple or pumpkin and creme pie. After all, why wait to treat yourself? Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. This podcast is not just information, but impartation and activation. We believe that every conversation will encourage, equip, and empower you to live the daily supernatural life. Subscribe to this podcast and then share every episode with your friends and family and be activated. Hey guys, and welcome to another adventure in the Holy Spirit. I'm your host, Jared Lasky. I just returned from a couple of days up in Michigan on the set of Kathy DeGraw's Prophetic Spiritual Warfare. Had a couple of interviews myself, but I was also there as a cameraman because uh, I enjoy the media ministry. I've been trained in that. So that was an amazing time seeing people uh, healed, set free, delivered, um, and also just having some one-on-one time with her crew and people. It's such an amazing time. Those shows will be airing on the Sid Roth at Supernatural Network in the next, uh, well, starting this month. And so I think my episodes will be about December, January or so. So I would love to keep you guys updated on that. But guys, I'm super excited that I have just recently released my own book, The Baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you know me, if you know our ministry, we love the Holy Spirit. We love the Holy Spirit so much. We we worship him, we glorify Jesus, and we just want people equipped and empowered in the Holy Spirit to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So that's why we do what we do. And this was a labor of love. If some of you know the journey that I've had to go through the last three or four months, this was a labor of love during that time as I was regaining energy. And this was the one message that I had to release to the world. But guys, I'm so excited for today's very special guest. I have Alexander Pagani, who's got this new book himself on the secret to generational curses how to break the strongholds in the bloodline alexander pragani is the founder of amazing church in the bronx new york he's an apostolic bible teacher with keen insight into the realm of the demonic into generational curses and deliverance he's an internationally sought after conference speaker and he takes an uncompromising approach to the scriptures and has been involved in more than 400 deliverance sessions He's appeared on various television networks, including TBN and The Word Network. So please help me welcome Alexander Pagani to Adventures in Spirit. Welcome, Alexander. Amen. Listen, we got to update that bio because that is old. 
we've been involved in more than like four, five thousand, ten thousand deliverance sessions. But thank you for having me on. I'm like four hundred. That was so two thousand and one ish. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> four hundred, you got me beat. But yeah, this is this is on the Amazon site for this book, The Secrets to Generational Curses. So that's you got that book released here on Charisma. So yes. I know that people could purchase that on Amazon. Uh, and also, um, we'll connect with you. It's a sequel of sorts because you've got the secrets to deliverance. And it is an honor and a pleasure to have you here on my program, Adventures in the Spirit. But Alexander, how did you get into deliverance? What is the story to that? Well, it started off as a thriving church in the Bronx before internet days and cell phones. Um, witnessing the embrace or the shift in modern uh, modern technology and the spiritual climate of our church changed once the internet came um, and cell phones because now pornography was readily available uh, to the average average person with a phone um, and with a computer and at that time I was vehemently against and opposed to the ministry of deliverance but because I love pastoring, I love God's people, um, I went towards the deliverance ministry just for the sake of, I need to help my people and I've tried everything else. At the same time, I was a pastor enslaved to pornography myself. So not only was I, I couldn't help my people get free, I couldn't be, I wasn't free. Um, so when I prayed and I fasted and I did what I thought, what I was supposed to do, um, it really didn't work. I'm not saying those things don't work, uh, but it just didn't work for me. And when I asked the Holy Spirit, God, what am I doing wrong? Uh, what do you want me to do? I'm bound. My people are bound. Um, it was clear as day, the ministry of deliverance. And I told the Holy Spirit, no. I said, I don't believe a Christian can have a demon. What's funny is, is that I was demonized telling the Holy Spirit that I, I didn't have a demon. So I was I had a demon telling God that I didn't have a demon, you know, (laughs) right. You know, so um, I embraced it based on desperation as a pastor. I just wanted my people to be free and I wanted to be free. So this was my prayer. Lord, if this is not of you, you're going to have to stop me because I've tried everything else. I might as well try deliverance because what do I got to lose if this thing is false and heretical or whatever? Um, Nothing's going to happen because a Christian doesn't have a demon, you know? And when I went down that trail, well, long story short, here I am still preaching and teaching deliverance after so many years, written two books on it, two bestsellers. Um, And, well, in a nutshell, that's exactly what happened. I I like to coin everything I just said in one phrase. Um, The reason why I'm so effective in deliverance is not because I'm special. It's because I'm deliverance's number one client. So that's kind of like where we're at with deliverance. And I'm excited about our second book release, but I'm sure we'll flesh flesh all of this out in the rest of this interview. But that's, that's how I embrace deliverance. I needed deliverance and my people needed deliverance. And here we are uh, 10 to 12 years later. Do you want the power of God to be evident in your life? you need to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit? Are you curious about the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues and do you want it in your life? My wife and I have a free e-course available for you called the baptism with the Holy Spirit where you will learn the biblical truth 
and spiritual reality of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And you'll hear true stories of how people received the promised gift. The videos in this e-course will expand your knowledge and understanding of the Holy Spirit baptism. You'll be drawn closer in relationship with the Holy Spirit and receive prayer and activation into the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You can also go through it with a small group of friends, a church class, or a discipleship group. You could download the accompanying PDF for each lesson and apply the principles to your life and take the action steps. Your faith will grow as you read the scriptures, watch the videos, and participate in the activation. The gift is for you. The gift is for today. The gift is to empower your spiritual life. We know that you will finish this course with a divine empowerment that comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So start your journey today. Go to charismacourses.com collections and click on Jared Lasky and enroll in the baptism of the Holy Spirit e-course. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing your personal story and being transparent about that because I think an issue we have today is that uh, the man of God is untouchable and is perfectly holy, but we need to hear these stories because, well, I, millions upon millions upon millions of people are bound and they need to know that we are humans too. Right. And that we've been set free. I was set free from a spirit of addiction when I was wow. uh, 18, almost 19 uh, years old. You right. know, I was. Uh, clean and sober for seven, eight months, baptized with the Holy Spirit, but I'd, I'd had this thing moving in me. I'd see it on TV. I'd see what drugs on TV and I'd feel this thing moving in me. And I didn't have the vocabulary or terminology at that time. But then I encountered the risen Christ in a prayer time. Was delivered, was set free. My prayer language shifted to a full-blown language. Never been the same ever since. Uh, but you know, and I've also had to walk out other freedoms. I was healed of PTSD from my time in uh, the, the Marine Corps from Iraq right. and Afghanistan. And, right. you know, there's even some spiritual things with that. But Alexander, you got this new book that you're talking about, Generational Curses yes. in the Bloodline. Excited about it. Yes. <laughs> what is a generational curse and what do you mean by the curses in the bloodline? Because this is a controversial topic. Some yes. people ebb and flow. Over the years, I've even ebbed and flow, biblically speaking, about what a generational curse is or isn't or you know but sometimes my seminary brain gets in the way but what is a generational curse and what do you mean by it's in the blood i understand what you meant about seminary brain i am a a seminary graduate you know uh five years of seminary (laughs) and i believe as i mentioned before it was probably one of the main reasons why i was vehemently opposed to the ministry mm-hmm. of deliverance because my theology uh, couldn't embrace that a Christian can have a demon, let alone have a generational curse uh, post-crucifixion, uh, you know, ascension of Christ, present-day Christian. You know, um, in a nutshell, without getting too, you know, exhaustive uh, concerning this topic, a generational curse is an edict and a decree from the courtroom of heaven against a person, against a family, against a region, against an organization. Um, that committed a violation to the law of God that warrants it. So, in a nutshell, it's a judgment coming from heaven when a person, whether believer or non-believer, has committed uh, a sin or a transgression that warrants it. And what I mean by warrants it, the best way that I can help Uh, your listeners and viewers understand is you have robbery in the first degree, robbery in the second degree, robbery in the third degree. Um, The higher the number, the lesser the penalty or the consequences. All right. So not every sin or transgression produces a generational curse. 
then there are others, without a shadow of a doubt, will produce a generational curse. Let me give you an example for those of you that are listening. If I have an argument with my wife, a really bad argument with my wife, and the rapture happens, trust me, me and my wife will be arguing on our way to heaven. Why? Because our argument with your wife doesn't warrant a generational curse, right? But if I commit adultery on my wife and the rapture comes, now we're talking about the activation of a generational generational curse. Witchcraft produces a generational curse. Idolatry produces a generational curse. Abortion produces a generational curse. Homosexuality produces a generational curse. But anger does not produce a generational curse, but murder and hatred does. See how it works? Now to even go a step further, um, and I know many of your viewers and listeners have heard of and have read various statements made by Jesus in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But there's one that sticks out that we never really talk about, where Jesus said, if you call somebody an idiot, it says you will be in danger of hellfire. And then it goes a f step further and it says, that if you do this and if you do that, uh, it said you will, be, you will be in danger of the court. It actually says you will be in danger of the court. Um, why? Well, very simple. Because some sins, according to 1 John uh, chapter 5, where it says, if you see a Christian brother sinning a sin that doesn't lead to death, you shall pray and the Father shall give him life. That's in 1 John. You, that your viewers and listeners can go read this. And then the next verse says, and then there are sins that do not, that do lead to death. And then it says, and I'm not saying you should pray about that. The verse after that, I'm sure that John wrote this for religious Christians and for seminary graduates. He wrote, all wickedness is sin, but there is a sin that doesn't lead to death, which means they all fall under the ecosystem of being a sin, but there are different degrees of sin. You got violation, and I talk about this in my book. You got sin, you got transgression, you got iniquity, and then you have an abomination. Iniquity and abomination will always produce a generational curse. Transgression does not produce a generational curse, but if it remains unrepentant of for a season, um, then it could potentially become a generational curse. Violation and sin does not produce a generational curse. So we find uh, that if a Christian um, is, as a believer, willfully sinning that the book of Hebrews actually says if we willfully sin, uh, we crucify Christ afresh. And then it says, and then there remains no more sacrifice for sin. Who is he talking to in that verse? He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. See what I'm saying? Um, but I'm going to leave it there because I think I'm already starting to preach and teach. And you got me excited and amped up. And I want to I want, I hear from you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to digress. But in a nutshell... It's an edict from the courtroom of heaven against a person, um, uh, organization, territory uh, that has committed a sin that warrants that level of judgment that can only be resolved by going back to the courtroom, renouncing, repenting, and then God uh, reversing it, dismissal or revoking it. And then by default, the demons, the curses have to back off. And then there's substantial change that uh, happens immediately that might not necessarily need a deliverance session, but we'll flesh that out a little bit later. Okay, so yeah, um, you know, when it comes to their, their differences of opinion, biblical insights and things like that on generational curses, but uh, what exactly, 
how how would we break it if we we identify if the Holy Spirit highlights something to us? How do we break the generational curse? How do we even know that it is one? Right. Do we, you know, I, I mean, some people, you know, some people dig pretty deep, right. and then you know they might make maps or guide you know guides or different things or do interviews and you know kind of prepare or something like that. Um, I think some people could kind of get carried away with that, like. Maybe you're praying for something that maybe you don't have, you know, um, and I've, I've had some controversial guests on this program before, uh, and it was, you know, interesting conversations, but then, you know, say when, when a demon ma manifests, how, how do you take care of it? Like, what do you, what do you do? You know, um, do you let the demons do their thing? Do you let them you know speak what, what do you do because i mean i've seen so many different ways and I, I know different deliverance ministers have their own methods and means like some say you can't let him manifest some say let him manifest some say you can't let him speak some say let him speak what is your stance on okay that? so i mean i know that's a loaded question i apologize that's no it, no anyone who knows me knows i live in the realm of loaded questions I love I love loaded questions because I have loaded answers. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm hearing two questions. First of all, how to identify when a Christian has a curse, and then second, you're asking about methodology. First, let me say this: um, there is deliverance idolatry out there. There is deliverance addiction. Um, 100 percent. There's deliverance addiction. I preach against that in both my books, both the first one and the second one. And I actually might really get into it in the third one, uh, which in, uh, uh, soon after this one comes out, we'll probably go down that trail. OK, so let me say this. Let's address the the methodology before we get into the curses part. Right. Um, here is where deliverance ministries mess up when it becomes an incantation rather than a revelation which means deliverance is not a cookie-cutter formula. It is total dependence on the Holy Spirit to reveal the root of a problem and the strategy to solve it. Deliverance is not fighting the darkness, but it's turning on the light. I know what you're referring to. When there is this methodology that is in the realm of darkness, long hours of talking with demons, um, and then there's the opposite end of that where people are triggered by that, and then they don't let the demon talk. Well, you got to let the demon talk because Jesus let the demon talk. I believe that it's a question on personal method that I believe uh, that is built or predicated upon maturation of the deliverance minister. All right, so I'm not going to sit here and criticize one method over the other. I would say this, that all methods are pertinent to the character and the personality of the person. Now, I don't talk to, I don't have long, drawn-out conversations with demons uh, during deliverance, but I do talk to them. As a matter of fact, we just finished um, having a demon-possessed case in Alaska. The video is on my, on my social media outlets. As a matter of fact, I'll send it to you, or maybe you can include it in this conversation if you're going to re-edit the video. And this was oh, yeah. flat-out demon possession where... The woman's eyes um, turned gold, and I thought it was contact lenses. And come to find out, our staff was talking to this woman earlier. She has brown eyes, you know. So it was pretty spooky. And the, what the demon said was was pretty spooky, you know. And I spent more time trying to get it to be quiet. And well, and then there are other times where I I just don't have uh, longer than two three minute conversation. 
I, I really genuinely believe is what the Holy Spirit wants rather than let me follow some cookie cutter formula that I myself adhere to or what I see other preachers do. And if you're a deliverance minister, you're listening to me, it's okay to emulate other respected deliverance generals that you admire, but eventually you have to pick and develop your own style. So I don't do those things. Why? Because when I embraced the ministry of deliverance, I was first a pastor. So I'm always thinking about the dignity of the person. So if you go to our page, I have dozens of deliverance uh, sessions on our social media outlets, YouTube and Facebook. All of them have blurred faces out. Like we blur the faces out and we edit the video in a way that glorifies Christ rather than promotes and markets the devil. So um, it's all about methodology there, all right, depending on the person. Okay, now how, the second question is, how do you identify uh, whether a Christian could potentially be having a, uh, a generational curse active? Plain and simple. They keep coming to get deliverance. The goal of the deliverance ministry is so that you don't have to come back. It, so good. If okay. you are on your 10th deliverance session, and you keep going for the same thing over and over and over and everything is a demon for you and you're demon conscious and something's not working is because at that moment you're not dealing with a demon. You're dealing with a generational curse in the bloodline that God is trying to highlight so that you can resolve it in the heavens. All right. And break the root cause of what's giving that devil or the kingdom of darkness that much access to your life. Now, the way you begin to really identify that, uh, and that was just me being a little sarcastic when it comes to that with the, uh, the multiple deliverance sessions. I'm not saying, and I'm not against you getting multiple deliverance sessions. I believe in re-deliverance and re-re-deliverance. But sometimes, you know, you're on your 20th deliverance. Baby, what happened to your last deliverance? Why don't you be faithful to the 19th deliverance before you come for your 20th deliverance? All right. So, but here's how you can at least the average believer identify maybe something's going on. And it's through this, that after you've dismembered yourself and you're still being tempted in that area and gone through deliverance in that area, then you're probably dealing with a generational curse. What do I mean by that? Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. So if you gouge it out and you're still having eye problems and you're still having lust problems in your eye, then it's definitely not a demon. It's a generational curse of sexual perversion in the bloodline that needs to be resolved, renounced, and then a new decree and a new edict gets uh, decreed and there is a revoking and by default, whatever access sexual perversion has had in your bloodline uh, will be, well, will be resolved without even you needing another deliverance session. So that's how I've, I've learned to identify. After I gouge out my eyes and I'm still lusting, there's something else going on because I'm doing everything right. If you find that after you've submitted to God, resisted the devil, and they haven't fleed, then the issue is not you. There's something going on in the bloodline that you need to resolve. I think that'll be the fastest way for people to at least begin to try to identify. There's a lot more, but you have to go, you have to go get the book. The secrets, <laughs> the secrets to deliver, the secrets of generational curses. Yeah, so here's a question though too. Generational curses, is there a difference between a generational curse and say DNA? 
like what is within our DNA. Now I'm not a scientist or any of that stuff. Okay. But I'll, I'll read some books or some articles on this, but say there are some things that are um, generational habits, you know, we could bless, there could be good things. There could be bad things. Honestly, I just want to err on the side of blessing, you know, blessing my kids, blessing my grandkids. I don't have grandkids yet, but you know, I just want to be a generational blessing, but can someone be born? like say Romans chapter one talks about homosexuality. Okay. Is that a choice or are they born into it? As science is saying it, is it in the DNA and as a deliverance, I guess this is another two questions. Come I, on, lay it I on me. As a deliverance minister, can you kind of figure out what, which is which, but also be able to, I mean, I believe in miracles, pray that their DNA is changed, break it, something. I love that question because we tackle that in chapter two of our book and the title is human wiring and epigenetic modification now if your viewers would allow me to just give me like two to three minutes to kind of break down scientifically a scientific breakthrough that was just discovered that i believe was a god thing to help us verify scientifically the generational curses but to answer your question just very simple i would say yes there's certain Again, that goes back to everything. Well, maybe I could coin this phrase here because I haven't heard anybody say this. Now, I've heard everybody say everything is not a demon, but I've never heard anybody say everything is not a curse. So I'm going to be the first to sit here and say everything is not a curse. All right. So, yes, we call those hereditary patterns of behavior that's just transferred down the bloodline based on DNA. Now, what's interesting is this. Epigenetic modification, you could go look this up. Your viewers can go look this up. Listeners, go look it up, all right? Be a good brain and go look up what I'm saying. Epigenetic modification is a scientific discovery where they have uh, had a breakthrough in understanding that the cells, the cells uh, in the human body are built to learn based on the histones, which means this. When a cells or the cells in your body receive information, the histones tell the cells in your body how to function. That's how we learn how to do things, right? Now watch this. When the person reproduces themselves through, uh, through, uh, through procreation, the information that's within those cells are transferred down uh, to the next generation. And I think at this point we could see our grandchildren. I'm a grandchild, I'm a grandfather of two, right? So um, I can, I, you know, you can see um, patterns of behavior in your children or your grandchildren of people in your bloodline that they've never met uh, who passed on 15, 20 years before their prior birth. And when we see it, we all rejoice and say, look at, look at so-and-so, one years old, acting like Papa, and Papa's been dead, and Grandpa and Nana, Nana has been dead, uh, has passed on to be with the Lord for the last 15 years, never met them, but their mannerism. This is a scientific breakthrough. I find it fascinating. It's only been 10 years that they discovered this. This is literally where they have understood. Now watch this. To help you understand better, more than this, animals, this is what we use to domesticate wild animals. When you gather a wild animal, what you do is you first get the animal to be tame through fear. So we, we, we control the animal through fear and through food. So we tame them. 
but they're not domesticated, which is why lions and bears in a zoo and in a circus are not domesticated, they are tame. We tame them because we provide their source of food and we have built a system of fear around them. Now watch this. If you take it a step further, dogs originally were wild dogs and we domesticated them. Why? Because we kept pushing the epigenetic modification of their genes through what is called cognitive recognition. Now watch this, which means when the animal learns something, that if the animal reproduces, the litter that is born to the animal is born already genetically predisposed with that information there. So therefore, as you keep doing that, so then you take those animals and reproduce them, eventually the wildness part of it gets expunged and then it becomes domesticated. All right, now I, I said all that to say this. It's all in the cells. It's the same way. Watch this. This is why when you remove drugs from a drug addict, they go through withdrawals. What is the withdrawals? The cells in their body is not getting the information of how they've been taught to function. Where is that in the Bible? Very simple. I'm glad that you ask. Where is that in the Bible? <laughs> John chapter 3. You must be born again. You must be born again. Why do you think Jesus said you must be born again? Why? Because the cells in your body need to be retrained. Would you like another one? Those of you that are listening, be ye transformed. Wait a second, but I thought we were transformed in Christ. Oh, no, 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 no. No, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Would you like another one? Those of you that are listening, the outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed, what, day by day. I got one more. As a matter of fact, I got many more in my book, The Secrets to Generational Questions. Let me give you one more. The Bible calls it in the book of Titus, regeneration by the washing of regeneration generation. Did you catch the compound word there? Which means your genes get substituted and need to keep getting substituted. So you might be asking, but, but where did, but the Bible says in the book of Galatians chapter 3 verse 13, but Christ became the curse for us. Wait a second. Wait a second. The cross broke the power of the curse, not the presence of curses. Just like the cross, let me say it again. The cross broke the power of the curse, not the presence of curses. That doesn't make sense, man of God. Really? The cross broke the power of sin, not the presence of sin. Wait a second. So if Jesus on his work on the cross destroyed the presence of sin, then why do you still sin? As a matter of fact, 1 John chapter 1 says, if any Christians say they do not sin, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. See how that works? So this is what the Bible is trying to explain in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. If you confess your sin, he is faithful. That's relationship. That's what most church people say. Stay. He is just. Oh, what does the just what does the just gotta do with anything? To forgive you of your sin, relationship. But then it says, but to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Unrighteous is a legal term, which means that's for the believer. Meaning the believer is messing up sometimes. And sometimes it's a forgiveness of sin issue. 
And other times is a cleanse you from the curse issue. I'm going to leave it there because you got me preaching, sir. And I'm about, I'm revelating. Sorry, this apostolic thing is kind of, fivefold thing is kicking in right now. I'm getting excited. <laughs> Amen. Go buy my book, The Secrets to Generational Curses, for those of you that are watching and those of you that are listening right now. Yeah, amen. And Alexander, this was a powerful, powerful interview. I mean, dude, 29 minutes, 30 minutes has already passed as the garbage truck is passing me right now. <laughs> I was, I've been meaning to build a studio here in this space and all that stuff. But uh, I went through some things where I believe that the, um, you know, God saw me through it. God saw me through it. But, uh, you know, I, I'm back to doing podcast interviews and everything like that. And this is a powerful one. I know that we could talk about so much. Uh, but, brother, can you lead people uh, right now? Can you lead people to, say, identify a curse and to break it with their watching this or listening in? In Jesus name. Very simple. The answer is for those of you listening and those of you watching, don't drag it out and don't make it more than what it really is. It's a simple prayer, simple prayer of revealing. Ask the Holy Spirit right now. Say, 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 Lord, you know, I've been listening to this message and it struck something in me. And I think I actually might be dealing with a generational curse, Lord and not just a demon, I think there might be something going on in my bloodline. That's where you start, my friends. You first start total eyes surrender on Christ and the role of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. Now, why am I saying that? It's because the number one thing that I think we suffer as Christians in the area specifically of the ministry of deliverance is misdiagnosis. Sometimes we just attribute something to a demon or a curse and it's just a flesh issue or it might not necessarily be that or it just might be you just had a bad moment and you're just sinning and you just need to repent and get into some more personal responsibility and discipleship. This is why I can't tell you that there's a cookie cutter formula that you pray this and this is what's going to happen. But I would say this, that the Holy Spirit is the revealer of all truth. So you pray to the Holy Spirit. And you ask him, Holy Spirit, do I have a generational curse active in my life? Reveal it to me, the areas in my life that might be potentially a curse in my life that I might need to uh, resolve. The second thing you need to do, if he tells you and shows you that it is a curse, then I would encourage you. Now, this is just based on methodology and don't make this a cookie cutter formula and go to method because then uh, the anointing won't be on it. I would say this. Jesus said this kind doesn't come out but by prayer and fasting. Why? Because the little boy's situation in Mark chapter 9 was not really too much a demon issue. It was a generational curse issue. Now, why am I saying get into some fasting and prayer? Because Isaiah chapter 58 says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? Those bands means the ropes that are holding you in the DNA. And if you want a verse, a Bible verse for me to tell you, this is why the Bible calls it household which means there's something holding your house. Did you catch what I just said, those of you that are watching? Get into a season of fasting, and the fasting will begin to loosening you up and causing you to be sensitive to what he wants to reveal to you. 
And then the next after that is this. I would say go through a season or right after that of repenting. Repenting for things committed in the bloodline. Not for your salvation. None of that. You're already securing Christ, seated with Christ in heavenly places. By faith alone, in Christ alone, through the word of God alone, sola scriptura. We're not taking away from the efficacy of Christ's work on the cross. Don't do that because then, then it's error and it's, it, it's heresy. We're not talking about that. This is not a, deliverance is not a salvation issue. This is a practical sanctification issue. So you go through a moment of repentance as God begins to reveal to you, uh, at, 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 you know, and you, and you don't need to go all the way back 42 generations. That's exaggerated Pentecostalism stuff. And I'm Pentecostal and I could just say that about our own people. We exaggerate stuff. No, but the Bible does say I will curse them to the third and fourth generations, which means you could go back at least four generations, which means your father your grandfather, your great-grandfather, and maybe your great-great-grandfather. You don't need to go further than that and say, Lord, is there something that I don't know? And the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal things. The next thing you need to do is uh, receive. Receive means don't rationalize it out. If there's something coming in your spirit or you're dreaming about it or God is making you write something down, believe it and say, this sounds crazy, but I think the Holy Spirit is telling me my great-great-grandfather was into witchcraft or whatever and did some shady business deal and God it, it hurt a lot of people, whatever. Just believe it. You ain't got nothing to lose. Write it down. The, th the next thing is renounce it. Renounce it. I renounce what family member, blah, blah, blah. Now, if you have uh, ways to learn about people's names and all of that stuff through ancestry, uh, websites, and DNA, uh, all of that stuff, then do it. What's the most that can happen? Nothing, right? You take care of that. And then after you uh, renounce that stuff, then receive the full blessing of the, the what I call the revocation, where God revokes that of what's against the bloodline and just receive and walk in the fullness of that. You don't, you want to testify about it? Amen. You don't necessarily have to, you know, but just walk that out and live in life, in life more abundantly in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen. Guys, I'm talking to Alexander Pergani about his new book, The Secrets to Generational Curses. And I've got a whole lot more questions, but guys, 35 minutes has gone by so fast on this. Alexander, I want to bring you back sometime soon. And by then, you'll probably have your own two or three documentaries or something <laughs> along the way about what God is doing in you and through you. But what is the best way for, for people to connect with you and your ministry? If your viewers and listeners have been blessed by this conversation and like my line of thinking and enjoy it, follow me on YouTube, everyone. YouTube and Facebook. That's the fastest way uh, to dialogue with me. Everything that we talk about on our social media pages, specifically these two pages, isn't built around deliverance. I'm a pastor of a church. I have 12 churches under me. I move kind of apostolically, AKA church planter. For some of you, denominationalists, missionary. All right, so I love talking about uh, helping emerging pastors uh, become effective uh, leaders and how to develop vision. So just follow me right now, immediately after this. Well, first go and get the book on Amazon. Everyone go purchase the book on Amazon. Very simple, The Secrets of Generational Curses. It's on the 
screen. And for those of you listening, just go to Amazon and look us up. Alexander Pagani or The Secrets of Generational Curses. Uh, go and purchase it. But also, just follow us on specifically on YouTube. The links are, are going to be in the description of this video. Um, and on Facebook. Very easy. Alexander Pagani Ministries. And then uh, stay up to date. And I'd love to just uh, meet you, walk with you in the Lord, and just give you these great revelations that the Lord has deposited into my spirit. Amen. Amen. Guys, this was a powerful conversation with Alexander Pagani. He is, I, I want to encourage you guys to watch come out in Jesus name. I've also, if you're, if you're acquainted with Adventures in the Spirit for the first time right now, just on this conversation, go back to the couple of Greg Locke interviews that I've got talking about deliverance and even my friend, Kathy DeGraw. But guys, I'm gonna bring Alexander back. I could promise you that. Uh, so I wanna encourage you all, purchase his book, The Secrets to Generational Curses and break generational curses in your life. But also check out my book, The Baptism with the Holy Spirit available on Amazon as well. And remember to be activated in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky, a podcast that activates you to live the supernatural life. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and share it with your friends. Leave a five-star rate and review, which helps us reach more people with the love and power of the Holy Spirit and partner with us at firebornministries.com. And may you live your best spirit-empowered life and have your own adventures in the Holy Spirit. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the best ever Big Mac burger. Take it away, Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. He said, there's more special sauce in every bite. Rubble, rubble. He said, rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble indeed, my friend. Try the juicier Big Mac and get 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Comparison to prior classic burgers, limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid once per day. Excludes tax. Must be opted into rewards. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba.